Hello Internet, this is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar and welcome to the Redshirt King Manifesto. That's right, I'm doing my solo shows to wrap up our team-by-team -team previews of the World Championship. If you want to know more of why that is, I released a very short video called Moving Forward that you can find on our YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, all that fun stuff. But most importantly, I want you guys to get this content because I'm very excited to talk about this World Championship. I think there's a lot of really interesting storylines here, a lot of different directions that this can go that are going to have long-term ramifications on the state of League of Legends as a whole. And so I'm definitely going to be continuing coverage of this. I'm going to be doing all of the teams that we have not yet covered. And we're going to start by wrapping up groups A and B with the two teams from the play-in that we hadn't gotten to touch on yet, that being Cloud9 and Fnatic. So let's start with Cloud9, because Cloud9 is a team that has really impressed me uh, from what we saw in the play-in. Uh, they obviously are the third seed from North America, for those of you who somehow have missed that information. Uh, they were in Group B, they 4-0'd in their group, took out Team 1, took out Direwolves, mostly looked very solid through that, and also looked mostly looked solid against their series against Lyon Gaming. So there's... A lot of positives to look at with this team, and if you're going to point to the things that I think most surprised me about Cloud9's performance there was their bot lane. Sneaky was a guy who I have constantly referred to as a great third option. I think he is a lot better as a player when he doesn't have the pressure to hard carry all the time, and he can focus on playing that more utility role, doing a lot to make his teammates shine and, and really being that cleanup guy rather than being the one who has to make the big play, the big flanking moment. But I thought he had a lot of great moments uh, at this tournament. I think so far we have seen a, a depth to his champion pool that I was not particularly expecting. Uh, not that I think that Sneaky isn't a veteran who has played a ton of things in the past, but right now in this meta, it feels like he has a command of basically everything that is relevant. And that's just not something we always see from North American teams. I think that he and Smoothie really were the central playmakers in a way that we haven't seen from Cloud9 before. It's been so much the Jensen show that for Sneaky to come out there and really you know, give it to this White Lotus player from Lyon, who I think is a very good AD carry. I think that's a very good bot lane from Lyon. And I, Sneaky somehow made that not look particularly close in all but one game. And Team 1 and Direwolves, these are teams that have these aggressive moments. They have bot lanes that are at least competent. And he crushed them. And that's something we have to be very excited for. If you're a Cloud9 fan, having Sneaky step up in that way and be a potential second carry option instead of a third carry option is massive because this team really relies on who can help Jensen achieve his goals. Because let's face it, Jensen's really good. I don't think we need to explain that Jensen is very good. He has a 9.6 KDA from the group stage. All of these numbers from the group stage, by the way, are incredibly inflated because these teams only played seven games, and obviously they won those seven games because that's how these play-ins all worked. So let's not get too hung up on the numbers. I'm not, for once, I'm not going to really focus on that. But it's really worth mentioning that 
Jensen was not the primary damage dealer in this series. He has been the lead damage dealer in the regular season by a pretty consistent margin. At this tournament so far, Sneaky's been doing 29.9% of the team's damage while getting 24.4% of the team's gold. Compare that to Jensen, who's at 24.9% of the damage and 23.9% of the gold. It feels like Cloud9 have realized, look, Jensen's going to be great no matter what we do for him. So instead of feeding everything into him and going 100%, this is our only strategy, let's give Sneaky those resources. Let's trust our veteran to really step up. And it's been awesome to see. I think that is huge for them. I think that Smoothie, if he can be the playmaker that he has shown flashes of in the past... I think that he is very capable of getting some lane advantages for them. Uh, they did not necessarily have amazing laning phases uh, once you take into account their series against Leon, because White Lotus is was one of the best laning 80 carries at that play-in tournament. But they certainly have a history of it. We've seen Smoothie do really well on things like a Trundle or a Braum or... You know, anything like a, you know, I don't think his Rakan is necessarily at like a Biofrost level, but it's solid. Um, certainly a lot of those kinds of playmakers where you have that engaged tool. Um, I, I think that he's going to be very solid at those. And that's really good because I still have serious concerns about their top lane. Impact did not blow me away at this tournament. It, it felt like he was up against some pretty weak top lane talent. And he looked good. He didn't look great. He looked good. But good on the world championship stage is rarely enough. I think that I really would have loved to see more from him. Uh, he had the second lowest kill participation, which as a top laner is not necessarily ideal. Um, you, you kind of feel isolated there. But at the same time, someone like Impact in, in a team that is so teamfight focused... When he's a little late to some of those plays, that's a concern. When they don't feel comfortable really ganking too much for him in the top lane, that's a concern. But when it they do gank and then he doesn't really do anything to follow up on that lead that they give him, that's a much bigger concern. And I was seeing a lot more of the latter where it was, okay, impact, we're giving you attention. We're letting Sneaky lose their lane in the bot lane despite the fact that he's been hard carrying us in these mid to late game team fights. What are you going to do with this gold we give you in the early game? And Impact said, mm -hmm. and that's disappointing, but not particularly surprising if you watch them in the regular season. This is something that we brought up a lot when we were looking at Cloud9 entering the group stage of the play-in, where this is a team with clearly has talent, clearly knows how to team fight well together, clearly has a macro understanding that comes from having so many veterans on your roster. But this top lane just isn't necessarily getting going. And I think that there's a reason that there's a, such a stark difference between Impact's numbers and the rest of his teammates' numbers. I, I also think that I'm a little worried about contracts. Not a lot worried, just a little worried. He didn't show any nerves issues being on the bright lights of the international stage, which is huge. For a, a rookie, that's something that very easily could have tripped him up, and it doesn't feel like that's going to be the case. It does feel like contracts needs to have a lead.
for him to play confidently and then in many ways for the team to play confidently. If you look at game two against Lyon, the game that they almost lost and by all rights should have lost. That should have been Lyon's game. They had everything in their power ready to take advantage of that. And they just blew a couple fights around that Baron, uh, pushing too hard into the base uh, and getting punished for that. And, and for the record, shout out to Cloud9, they took advantage of that. They ended up winning that game. But they really shouldn't have. And what we learned from that game is that when you can get a couple kills onto contracts early, when you could force him to play much more defensively and take away his ability to move up into your jungle and get that next line of vision for Cloud9, they're a much more passive team. And that doesn't play well for them. They do not look nearly as confident in those kinds of situations. And I think that Contracts in particular is someone who needs a lead to bring out the best version of himself. I think it's in play. I think that they certainly have made compositions in the past in which Contracts is able to play on something that can snowball a little bit. I, I think we're starting to see a couple carry things. Jarvin is something I, I think they're going to be very happy if they can land for him. I think... Ultimately, he can make plays on the Sejuani pretty well. I think he has a pretty good handle on that. I don't want to see him on something like Gragas, where it takes some time to really get going. I don't think that's the best use of your contracts. But ultimately, the question is, where do they fit in Group A? I currently have them at third. I have them right below EDG. I think they're better than AHQ. I This is going to spoil... My thoughts on Group C and D a little bit, but I don't think that Taiwan is very good. I just think that this is a year in which they did not have a great team. They had a couple very good teams, and those teams have flaws that have been exposed time and time again on the international stage. I think Flash Wolves has the best bet to prove me wrong, but I think that people have figured out Flash Wolves over the years. I don't think that they were particularly terrifying. And AHQ is a team that got 3-0'd by them and doesn't seem to understand that playing Westor is not their best path to succeed. So I definitely think Cloud9's better than that. It ultimately comes down to question one. Do you believe that Sneaky's going to keep this up? Because Sneaky has had streaks throughout the regular season in both the spring and the summer split in which he looked as good as he did throughout most of the play-in. But he also had a lot of other games in which he either struggled or wasn't really able to get anything going or just played a much more kind of passive game as they tried to feed resources elsewhere and he was playing more of a just don't get caught out, set your teammates up well, all of that kind of thing. So do they regress on that? Are they able, number two, to get contracts going? Because it really feels like if they can get him a lead by the 10-minute mark, this is a very different Cloud9 team than the team that doesn't have the ability to get that going, that has to play a much more defensive style. Cloud9 on the attack is really where they want to be if they want to get out of this group. And question number three is, can Impact keep up with the top laners in his group? I don't think they can keep up with SK Telecom. I, I think that would be... A little bit too far but mouse is someone that impact could in theory keep up with we have seen mouse 
fall apart on an international stage in the past. It would not be unprecedented for a Chinese team to be underwhelming on the international stage. So I think the potential's there. I have it as like a 40% chance that Cloud9 gets out, which is a little bit higher than I think most. I think that a lot of people are sleeping on them because there's this idea that North America just isn't very good as a region. And my response to that is, well, why are we sure that China's good as a region? What have we seen from China since MSI of 2015 that says that they're that much better? I, I haven't seen it. Um, and I, I don't think that what I saw from Team WE necessarily changes that. So Cloud9's in play. Uh, North American fans get a little excited. Not too excited. Right now they've got some great nobody believes in us potential going their way. Get a little excited. This this should be a fun tournament. You're playing with house money at this point. Anything they do is going to be fun for this Cloud9 fan group that was wondering whether or not they were even going to be at Worlds this year. I think this is this is going to be a, a fun team to watch, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. We're going to move on to the second team here, and that would be Fnatic. I am very curious as to how Fnatic is going to handle the international stage right now. They also won their play-in series 3-0. They were not as consistent in the group stage, dropping a map to Young Generation. I don't want to get too into the nitty-gritty on that. I have a lot of words that I could say about a team losing to Young Generation, most of them not particularly suitable for a wide audience here. But I will say this. This idea, this reverse narrative that's like, oh, well, it's just because the GPL is this great region and we just didn't understand how good they are. Young Generation battled in Asc Ascension Gaming basically to a 5-5 slugfest over the 10 games that they played over the course of the GPL playoffs. This was a, a team in Ascension that had Jisoo, yes, the mysterious monkeys failing top laner Jisoo as one of their star players on the team that drew targeted bans repeatedly from Young Generation. And they still needed 10 games to squeak out the one victory that they needed. And this is an Ascension gaming team that lost by 19 minutes to the Gigabyte Marines in the spring in one of the most one-sided games I've ever seen. What I'm trying to say is I don't think the GPL is all that good. I think that Vietnam is pretty decent, but I don't think the GPL as a whole is very good, and I think that Young Generation is a pretty flawed team. And what Fnatic has told me is that they still do not understand how to play from behind. They haven't had to very much so far in this play-in, right? Uh, young Generation, they crushed the first time they played. Chaos Latin Gamers never really put up much of a fight. Hong Kong Attitude, speaking of Taiwan not being very good. Oof, that was rough. That was a rough series to watch if you were like me and had any faith in Taiwan for any reason. Uh, feels a little silly in retrospect. I swear at the time it made sense. Probably. But I just, ultimately, I, I think that this Fnatic team is good. I'm not going to say great. I, 
I am actively going to avoid saying great. And my biggest reason for this, I don't know what version of Caps is going to hit this international stage at all. Uh, he has vacillated between uh, a great Talia game in the ceiling victory against Hong Kong Attitude to some of the worst LeBlanc play I've seen in a while. He just looks unconfident. He looks shaky. He looks nervous. He looks like a guy who just realized, oh my God, I'm a rookie that's going to be playing in front of literally millions of people living now in China, which is completely foreign to anything I've ever experienced before in my life. That's overwhelming for a lot of people. And I, we love to pretend like the mental side of things doesn't exist. Like every single detail that we could possibly need is happening on the rift because that's easy, right? That's simple. That's, that allows us to rule out a lot of things that otherwise add nuance that can distract us from the on the rift analysis. But when it comes to a situation like this, where you have such a young rookie, someone who is such an emotional rookie, right? Let's not forget that this is a guy who was easily worked up before he'd even played in an LCS game and let that ego get the best of him. Playing on a team with a guy like Soaz, who I don't think necessarily lowered Caps' ego any, right? There's a, a concern there for me that if he gets punched in the first week of games, I'm not sure that he bounces back. I think that that's one of those things where if Fnatic start 0-2, 0-3, I don't know that they have that second gear because I don't think that Caps recovers from that. The good news is I don't think they're going to get punched in the face that hard, and, and that really comes down to the two pieces that have been the most consistent pieces for Fnatic all year, and that's Broxa and that's Reckless. Broxa, I, I thought his pathing in the series was very good. I, I thought that overall he looked like the best jungler on the Rift in basically every game. I, I would say in every game he played, he was the best jungler on the Rift, and I don't think it was particularly close. Even when they lost a young generation, it wasn't because he was doing anything wrong. I really like what I'm seeing from him and his development and his ability specifically to get those solo lanes going. I, I think he spends a lot of attention there, particularly with Soaz. He's a guy that needs it. We've seen the difference between a Soaz that has a couple kills under his belt and feels confident teleporting around the map and making those engages and working on these rotations, I think is so much better than the Soaz that is having to kind of keep even on his own, maybe overextends because he feels like he needs to make a play, even though that's absolutely what they should be avoiding. Um, I think that's there. I, I think that Broxa is a great facilitator. And I think that Reckless is doing an amazing job of playing out these team fights, being the cleanup guy, making sure that he's always there um, and flanking well. I, I, I think that he is going to be the key as to how far this team can go. And I think this team can go far. Yes, they're going to be in a group against a lot of teams that have good early games. The Gigabyte Marines still have Levi. Uh, Immortals are known for their early game. Longju is obviously the best early game team in Korea. 
and that's terrifying. But they don't have to be better than Longju to get out of this group. I think that what sets them apart is that outside of Caps, they all play like veterans. Broxa, you know, he is a rookie, but he didn't look like a rookie on that stage at all. Moved very confidently. I, I felt played out exactly what we expect from Broxa. I think that Caps getting some of those nerves out of the way early is the best thing that could have happened to him. Yeah, look, those those four games in the group stage weren't great, but look at how much better he was when they played Hong Kong Attitude. That's the guy you want to see on the international stage, and that's a guy who got over some nerves there. I think he can do it. I think he has guys like Jezes and Soaz and Dylan Falco as a coach who will keep him grounded. I, I, I believe that they can do that. I believe this team's really good, and... While I worry about some of the mental stuff, I worry about, you know, a backdoor, literally young generation pulling an ex peke against Fnatic. This is not a great sign. And we need to be aware of that. That is a concern. But I don't think that Immortals are you know, as confident. Like I, I, don't, I think they've got some real issues, especially in that bot lane, they just look shook as a team in that NA Finals in a way that I don't think Fnatic's going to. And I think that the Gigabyte Marines are not nearly as good as they were uh, now that the meta has shifted away from the kind of hard carry junglers that Levi thrives so much on. So I have Fnatic getting second in this group. I have Longju and Fnatic getting out, Immortals and the Marines being the third and fourth teams. And if you're wondering... How in the world do I not have Immortals over Fnatic when I'm an Immortals fan? I would like to remind you, I'm an Immortals fan. Nothing I love does well on the international stage. That's just not how any of this works. If I'm lucky, I root for a team like Rocket, who just sits there near the bottom of the standings, but never so bad that they get relegated. While, like, I've seen several of my favorite North American teams completely collapse over the years. And might I remind you that I'm a CJ Entis fan because I hate myself, apparently. But I just, I know how this goes, and I have this weird air about that team that they're not quite going to be able to hold up. I think that Fnatic will hold up. I have confidence in them. And while I'm a bit nervous because. As I say, I'm confident. I think back to when I entered Rift Rivals, and I felt very confident about Fnatic then, and that didn't go very well for me. I'm, I'm sticking by it. I'm sticking by it. I think that Fnatic has all of the tools they need to be the better team, and I think that if they get into one of those really back-and-forth matches, I'd rather have the leadership from fanatic and the sheer playmaking potential that you get from some of those members of the roster than what immortals can provide at this point i'm much more excited for immortals 2018 than i am for this team right now so those are my groups those are the two teams that i had not touched on in groups a and b hopefully you guys enjoyed this if you did uh, be sure to let me know in the comments be sure to hit me up on twitter at redshirt king be sure to join the Discord. You can let me know there. 
I would usually say like, comment, subscribe. And for sure, if you're going to be following us for world coverage, you absolutely should be following this space. Like I said, more news will be coming down the line. So you're definitely going to want to be here. Definitely want to hit that subscribe button here on YouTube. Definitely going to want to make sure you have the podcast on iTunes so that as things change, you're going to be right there with us and you're going to be able to join on whatever project that this becomes moving forward. But thank you guys so much for listening. I will be back with Group C tomorrow and then Group D on Thursday. We are going to hit all of the teams so you guys will get full coverage of where I think these groups are going to head out. So until next time, goodbye, Internet.